。ドンキューシーン。ありがとう。First church, cat's out of the bag. We're talking about money today and next week and the week after that. So, listen, I'm going to dismiss the kids to children's church now. I'm going to be watching very carefully because there's going to be some of you who are going to pretend to go to the bathroom or to go get another cup of coffee and you're going to try and sneak out the back door. So, kids, go ahead and uh, you be dismissed. Uh, I forgot the Peterson and Daphne jar. We'll get it next week. I apologize. Um, okay, nobody's sneaking out quite yet. That's a good thing. Ah, no, I was not going to do offering after the sermon. No, no, no. <laughs> Bear with me, okay? I'm going to tell you right from the get-go, I don't like talking about money. I don't like preaching about money. In fact, I've been here 11 years now, and I don't know if I've ever done a series on money. I've done some standalones,、uh, but in terms of a series, I don't think I have. And I don't like it. And my guess is, you know, the first couple people, we started giggling on the video. And then when we got to the part where God showed up, there was some slightly uncomfortable. So, and as soon as I stood up and said, I'm talking about money, oh, I saw it. So, I know you guys don't like it either, but bear with me, okay? I'm going to talk about money, and here's why. Scripture talks a lot about it. A lot. A 1996 study said that there are about 500 verses in the Bible, in the Bible about prayer. 
There's a little under 500 on faith. There is over 2,000 verses on money and possessions. So if I didn't talk about money, we'd be excluding a lot in the overall Bible. Now, Jesus himself, who we claim to follow, who we're claiming to order our entire lives around, says a lot about money. 288 of the verses in the Gospels, which is one out of 10, are about money and possessions. 16 out of Jesus' 38 parables are about money and possessions. So we need to talk about it, and we will. I'm going to pray first for me, and then you guys can glean whatever God wants to, you to glean this morning. Lord God, um, you know my level of comfort or discomfort coming into this morning, uh, but you have convicted me in the last several months that this is something that we need to talk about. This is something we need to look at. We need to hear your heart on it. God, ultimately, if we hear your heart, that's a good thing. I pray, Father, that you would give me the, uh, the right words to say, uh, the courage to say them, and the, uh, the right way to say them. We want you to be brought all glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Grab your Bibles. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, as you are turning there, let me tell you a story that took place a few weeks ago. And it took place with my friend Scott Duco. Scott, go ahead and wave. This, this story is about him, kind of. He came to my house to help me work on my sprinklers. And we realized we needed a new sprinkler head. So we ran up the street to Ace Hardware and purchased said sprinkler head. Great price, like $15.99 plus tax. It's like $16.58, something like that. So we get to the checkout, we, we started checking out, and 1658 rings up, and a lady behind the, the, behind the check ends, she says to me, would you, would you like to round up for the children's hospital? Now, I didn't intend to hesitate, and I don't think I did. Scott would have to say one way or the other. But as she asked that, like three or four or a hundred things went through my mind. Okay? Round up to what? 17? 20? 100? I, I rounded up last week when I was at Panda Express. Do I have to again this week? wait, this week it counts because Scott's right here. What's he going to think? So without trying to hesitate, I said, sure, yeah, round up. Well, Scott didn't hesitate either. He started laughing and said, would you have done that if I wasn't here? <laughs> I tried to play it off. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. All oh, that question's haunted me ever since. It really has. Would, am I the type of person that would round up? Ultimately, what I'm asking is, am I a generous person? Am I a generous Christian? Are we supposed to be generous Christians? Now, of course, the church answer is, yes, of course we are. And any pastor could stand up and say, yes, you should be generous Christians. Well, pastors stand up all the time and they tell you things you should do, but oftentimes they don't tell you why. So this morning, I want to talk about reasons why we should be generous Christians. Reasons why we should be generous givers. And these reasons are found in Paul's letter to the church at Corinth, his second letter, and he was writing them to remind them of an offering, a special offering that they said they were going to take to send to the church in Jerusalem because the church in Jerusalem was struggling financially. So the church in Corinth said, we'll take an offering. So Paul is reminding them of that when he writes this. You can follow along in your Bibles or up on the screen. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. This is chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians, 
verse 5 through 15. Paul says, So I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready. But I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your own heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in the response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Verse 10. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. And in the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this gift or for his gift. Too wonderful for words. That is the word of the Lord this morning. And did you catch the theme in that passage? It's it's kind of hard to miss. Generosity. Being generous givers. Seven times in the New Living Translation, that word generous or generosity is used. And though this is written to a church almost 2,000 years ago, the principles in it apply just as much to us today. And they give us reasons why we too should be generous givers. First reason is this. Generous giving allows you to see God as provider. Generous giving allows you to see God as your provider. Paul was telling the church in Corinth, when you give generously, God's going to reciprocate. In the beginning of verse 8, he says, God will provide all you need. He'll generously provide all you need. Beginning of verse 10, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. Us giving generously allows us to see God providing back. I was a missionary kid growing up, which meant my parents were missionaries, and therefore they lived off the financial support of of people like yourselves in churches. And as much as any kid could see, I got to witness God providing for our family numerous times. We needed our house painted. Wouldn't you know what? A missions team called us up and said, hey, can we come paint your house? Car broke down. Wouldn't you know it? Next day in the mail, there's a check for just enough to cover the car expenses. I saw, as much as any little kid could see, over and over, God providing for our family's needs. So naturally, when I grew up, I said, God, I don't ever want to be a missionary. I'm going to provide for myself. Man, I had the mentality that I'll never leave one job without knowing what the next one is, because I always want my family to be provided for. Wouldn't you know it? God smiled and said, you need some work done in here. You're going to be a missionary. So for two years, we had to raise support, and we were missionaries. Even today, I still essentially am a missionary. I live off of your guys' tithes and offerings. 
as you give to the church to provide ministry to you guys and to the, to the people outside. It's crazy. I've seen God provide countless times. Once as a, I was a missionary in Chicago, right, in that, in that two-year stretch, we were about $1,200 short that month. We had a friend who was a regular supporter whose dad was retiring. This is the time of life where you kind of, you know, you start saving for the future. He gave $800 that month. And then another young family of, of two kids, so a family of four, didn't have much money. They gave $400. 800 plus 400 is, help me out, 1200 We were short 1200 that month. God provided over and over and over, and yet still on the inside, I kept saying, no, I'm going to provide. I'm going to provide. The principle is when we give generously, it will allow us to see God as provider. So why is it I and so many others can be so tight-fisted? I mean, if God gives it to us anyways, all of it, should we not open up and be a bit more generous? It's principle number one. Generous giving allows us to see God as provider. And when we see that, it does wonders for our soul. Speaking of souls, that leads us to the second principle, the second truth. Generous giving builds your trust, or it builds your faith. You pick which word you want to write into the blank there. Generous giving builds your trust or your faith. We see this in verse 6. Paul writes, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Okay, simple truth, yet profound. In order for a large crop to be harvested, you have to plant a large amount of seed. This may seem like a little bit of a tangent, but I think this idea of trust and faith ties directly into worry. It ties into worry. Okay, an author of a book I recently read says this, Do you know where worry comes from? It says it's from thinking we are in control. If we're talking about money, if we think we're in control of the money we have, we're going to worry about the next day and what happens after college and, and what happens when we get kids and what happens when we get to retirement. We're going to worry about that. But Jesus, in this section on Matthew 6, talking about money and possessions, says don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow we'll have enough worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. It takes great faith and great trust not to worry about the needs of tomorrow, and generously giving forces our faith to grow, which is a good thing, ultimately. As uncomfortable as it is, it forces our faith or our trust to grow. I'll be candid. I worry way too much about finances. And it's funny, I was talking to another pastor friend of mine this past week, and I don't worry about the church's finances at all. I know God's going to provide. But then I get to my own finances, and it's a whole different story. I've never lacked, and yet I still worry. My kids and my wife, they know not to come and talk to me after I pay the bills. No, they know not to come and say, hey, Dad, we need to go get groceries. I would say that looking at this truth, this may be the one that hits me personally the hardest because I realize it's my own faith and my own trust in God that needs to grow. Second half of verse 8 says, You will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Can it be any more clear than that? Why is it so hard for me to get a hold of that? 
You will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Giving generously, sharing with others, leads us to a greater faith. All right. We're still here? Nobody snuck out yet? We're still talking about money. Talking about reasons to round up. Reasons to be generous Christians. First one is what? You're filling in the blanks. Generous giving allows us to see God as provider. Okay? And the second one, giving generously, builds trust or faith. I had to go back and look at my notes. Wow. Third truth, third principle is this. Giving generously leads to a healthier heart. Giving generously leads to a healthier heart. Or, or maybe we could say it as this. Generous giving is evidence of a healthy heart. Verse 7. You must each decide in your own heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Just a few sentences earlier in chapter 8, verse 12, Paul, Paul writes, he says, Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. Now this connection between giving and the condition of your heart is littered throughout Scripture. It is all over the place. When Moses was collecting offerings for the building of the tabernacle, God told him this in Exodus chapter 25, verse 2. He said, Tell the people of Israel to bring me their sacred offerings. Accept their contributions from all whose hearts are moved to offer them. Giving tied to a heart condition. In talking about the release of debtors, God told Moses to tell the people this in Deuteronomy 15. Give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. It's a heart condition. Again, King David was collecting gifts to build the temple. And he writes this in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. He says, I know, my God, that you examine our hearts and you rejoice when you find integrity there. You know I have done all this with good motives and I have watched your people offer their gifts willingly and joyously. Generous giving is a heart condition. It's evidence of a healthy heart or it leads to a healthier heart. At the end of verse 5 in 2 Corinthians 9, Paul writes, I want this to be a willing gift, not given grudgingly. If you have an opportunity to give, and there's a check in your spirit, maybe you ought to check your heart. Last week, Bill Mortensen made an announcement about his grandson, Tyler, and the fact that he's having open-heart surgery tomorrow. We need to be praying for him, okay? Uh, it has the potential of being a five- to seven-hour surgery. Uh, there's potential if one of the valves is not right that it, that it could have to put in. Uh, it, could be, it could be much more complicated than it needs to be. Okay, uh, an update from the Ben and Jerry's uh, ice cream fundraiser. Apparently, 545 ice cream cones were purchased because he got $545. Fantastic. I'm telling you this because when the doctors found something wrong with Tyler's heart, they knew they needed to fix it. And it's the same way with us. When we have an opportunity to give generously and, and we don't, or there's a check in our spirit, there's that, I've got to hold on to this, that we need to look at our heart and we need to say, God, as a good physician, do you need to do some work in here? Do you need to work on our hearts? Because generous giving is evidence of a healthy heart or it leads to a healthier heart. 
Next principle, next truth that we find in this passage is this. Generous giving leads others to praise God. Generous giving leads others to praise God. I mentioned at the beginning that when Scott, uh, Scott and I had that interaction about rounding up, that one of the thoughts was, oh, I rounded up last week at Panda Express. Well, if you ever have an opportunity to round up at Panda Express, do it, okay? Because when you do, they ring a little bell, and all of the staff turns around and yells, thank you! And then everybody in the restaurant turns around and looks, and you just get this like, that's right. I gave 12 cents to the children's hospital. Yeah, it leads to praise, right? It's not what our generous giving should lead towards, praise of us. It leads to praise of God. I mean, so far what we've been looking at deals directly with us, and it would seem that Paul would continue in that manner in verse 11. He says, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. It's not about us. That's why Paul continues. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. Verse 12. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. Generous giving leads others to praise God. First Church, I've told you before, I'll tell you again, you are a generous people. This past February, you were generous again. We had a Freedom Sunday offering, and we were going to give it to World Relief, and I forget how much you gave. It was like 1200 1300 something like that. So we took the check down to World Relief and gave it to the director, and I kid you not, one of the first things he did was stop and praise God for it. Right, Elizabeth? He, he said, oh, we got to pray, and he thanked God for the generous gift from us. Years ago, there was a gentleman that walked in off the street on a Sunday morning, and he had a need. We didn't do a special offering or anything, but I remember this vividly. You gave him $285. Just random people went up and gave him some money. He was in my office after church, floored, almost speechless. He said, I've never experienced this before. That's what church is supposed to be. He didn't know it, but he was praising God. And in a very real way, when we give generously, God is praised. So why round up? To point up. Amen? Amen. We still on the same page? Let's review really, really quick. We give generously because it points to God as provider. It helps build your faith and your trust. It is evidence of a healthy heart or leads to a healthier heart. And it points praise to God. Now, finally, the best reason why. We should be generous givers is because of the gift we've already been given. Verse 15, Paul says, Thank God for this gift, or for his gift, is what the original Greek says. And this gift is too wonderful for words. Thank God for his gift, which is too wonderful for words. What gift is it? Well, always a correct answer in church, Jesus. Jesus. Chapter 8, verse 12, 2 Corinthians. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that by his poverty he could make you rich. You go to almost any of Paul's letters and he's talking about this gift that God gives us. In Romans, several different times, Paul says in in chapter 5, he says, Even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness. 
to many people through his son, Jesus Christ. Verse 17, even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift, the generous gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. God's generous gift in Christ which is forgiveness, triumph over sin and death, eternal life, life abundant. We could, we could keep going. God's gift to us ought to lead us to be generous givers. His generous gift to us ought to lead us to be generous givers. Now, I realize we need to have discernment. We need to have wisdom as to when we give, who to give, how to give, all that stuff. But if you remember nothing else from this morning, remember that last point that we ought to be generous givers because of God's generous gift to us. I told you at the beginning of this message that I didn't like to talk about money. As I was trying to figure out how do I wrap this up, I was reviewing those points, those truths that this text tells us. And I realized that in those truths, it didn't talk about money. It didn't talk about cash or credit. It just said generous giving. Now, does giving involve money? Sure, without a doubt. But could it also involve other things? Most definitely. You could be generous with your time. You could be generous with your skills. You could be generous with your heart. You could be generous with all sorts of different things. So my questions to leave you with this morning is this. What's your response? Where will you be generous this week? And what will it look like? Will it be in line at the Ace Hardware store when they ask you to round up for Children's Hospital? Will you be generous with your time and talents on Wednesday night during the church cleanup? Or will it be somewhere else? How will you be a generous giver this week? I want you to think on that as we pray, as we sing, and as you go from here. Let's pray. Jesus, we want to start by thanking you for uh, your generous gift to us. We recognize that we would have no right, no way to even gather together before your presence without the gift that you gave us, without the sacrifice you made, without your life for our life. So we thank you for that. And God, we pray for your forgiveness. I ask for your forgiveness personally for all the times, even within the last couple of days, even yesterday in the car, when I was trying to hold tightly to the things that you have given me, when in response, you simply wanted me to remember to be a generous giver. Forgive us for the times, Lord, where we hold on too tight. Forgive us for the times we worry. And God, would you grow us? Grow us into people who give generously and who continue to give generously. And as a result, people are drawn to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.